the greatest gift of all time, the Christ child. Good morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and it's my privilege to be with you this third Sunday of Advent and celebrate together. I want to start by taking you back a few years. Um, it was the first Christmas that our oldest son, Lance, was able to be in the church Christmas concert. Now, this was exciting for me because I love drama and all those kind of things, so this was, this was a thrilling time. Now, not only was it thrilling, but he got the part, Joseph. He was going to play Joseph, and this precious little girl named Victoria was going to play Mary, and the little doll that had played baby Jesus for many years would be baby Jesus. Oh, he looked so handsome in his little Joseph costume, and he sat just like he should up on the stage, just like his leaders had told him. And then it started to happen. Now, Mary thought baby Jesus shouldn't remain in the manger. And the leaders had clearly said baby Jesus is to be in the manger. But Mary, at the beginning, thought she'll pick him up and cuddle him. Now, Joseph, Lance, knew what was supposed to happen. So he put baby Jesus back in the manger. And Mary thought, no, I want to hold him. And Joseph, Lance, thought, no, he should be back. And that's when my chest tightened. As Mary firmly held the head and Joseph firmly gripped the body, and the baby Jesus tug of war began. Now, I'm thankful for a lot of things. But at that moment, I was really thankful for a sturdy, tough little doll. <laughs> because it didn't go where it might have just gone in your head. That is a precious memory for me. And I wish I had videoed it. That was a big miss. Uh, but I remember it well. And actually, so does Lance, too. I found another video of a little nativity of, um, I'm sure it was a church Christmas concert, and these were little preschoolers as well. And it's a short little video, and the quality's not great, but someone captured it from the audience. And in this video, we're going to watch it together. It's only about 40 seconds. But in this video, you can see that not everyone was comfortable with baby Jesus being in the manger. That little sheep in the video just wanted to pick him up and rock him. But Mary, knowing her part, wanted him back in the manger. You can see kind of the shock of the little angel. You can see the uncomfortableness of the other sheep. And you can see Joseph saying, I don't know what to do. But Mary, taking her job seriously, did only what she could do. Put that little sheep in a headlock and got that baby back in the manger. Let's watch it together. Do you ever 
um, if you could relate to the temptation of wanting to put someone in a headlock, that's a whole other message. And we'll talk about that another time. But today, we're going to talk about joy. But maybe when you saw that, you could think back to Christmas concerts in the past. Maybe for yourself, you thought of the first time you were in one. Or maybe as a parent, you thought of your children or a grandparent. But this is the unique thing about this year, as if there's not enough unique things about 2020. We have to hold space for those memories while we hold kind of the sadness for people that perhaps their child would have been in a Christmas concert for the first year. This has been a year that has um, helped us to grow in our ability to hold space for both sides of any feeling. Those that are encouraged, there will be those that are discouraged. Those that seem hopeful, there will be those that are despaired. And those that are sad, there will be those that find joy. We've had births and we've had deaths, and it's been a challenging year to celebrate both. Our theme is Faces of Advent, and I believe it was picked because we're hungry for each other's faces. And we've lit the candle of hope. We've lit the candle of peace, and today we lit the candle of joy, and we're going to focus on joy. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and Lord, I just thank you for this time set aside where we can look at your joy. Lord, will you open our hearts and minds to what you want to teach us this morning? Lord, may your Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit, be very present and alive, and your presence very real for us. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So Luke 1 takes us to the story of a man named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And this story reminds us of what it's like to move from sadness to joy. They were parents of John the Baptist, who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. But what makes this story interesting is Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. And when Elizabeth became pregnant, she was way beyond childbearing years. But she was overjoyed and said, the Lord has done this for me. To really understand Elizabeth's joy, however, we have to understand a little bit about her pain. For ancient Jews, children were a significant, very significant blessing. They allowed a family to pass on its name and heritage. They provided more hands to learn the trade or craft to provide for the family. But most importantly, children were viewed as a gift from God and a sign of God's favor. So to be childless then was a source of great, not only frustration, but sorrow and even, even shame. And so at first, Elizabeth might have been sad, but gradually, year after year, her hope would have slowly died as she came to realize that for some reason, I would not have a child. And she would have known this despair for years. And then, on an ordinary day with Zachariah at work in the temple, the angel Gabriel showed up and came with this miraculous message. And Zachariah couldn't even tell his wife, because what the angel said, <laughs> Zachariah doubted. So he wasn't able to communicate that because the angel said, you'll be, you'll be silent until the baby is born. Seems that Elizabeth, Elizabeth had an easier time accepting the miraculous news. So... The Bible tells us that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy in, in seclusion, 
And there's no way to really know why. It doesn't tell us that. But as I was thinking of it, I thought perhaps it's because she knew no one would believe her. And perhaps she knew she wanted to be showing more when she told the news. Or maybe it was her way of sharing her husband's silence and the miraculous unfolding before their eyes together, literally in Elizabeth's body. But what we do know is that in her sixth month of pregnancy, Elizabeth experienced a deep encounter with joy brought by the coming Messiah. The angel Gabriel also came to a young girl named Mary. And you may be thinking, I know this story. But every year, I am amazed at digging into the truths of the birth of Jesus and the wonder and awe of it. But never more than this year. Because I've struggled with joy myself. I'm often one that's pretty optimistic, and if you know me, I try to celebrate moments with deep gratitude. I try to be positive. But I've had a deep sadness and burden at times this year, and that I don't completely understand. Yes, we could say it's just all the pandemic stuff, and, and maybe there's a part of it that's that, but I don't think so. I actually am starting to realize that it's so much more about a burden for the divisions that have happened between people because of a result of it. When we're to press into unity and there's things that are causing division. So this burden or this sadness I've been experiencing has made the preparation for this message on joy like healing bomb for me. It's reminded me to lift my eyes and remember again that there is a bigger picture. I pray that focusing on joy and the joy that only God with us can bring will be like healing balm for you as well. Gabriel's message to Mary began with, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And I hate to bring this up, but every time I watch our live stream, I, I recognize the fact that um, an that if I go like this, I can probably look like an angel to you with the wreath. and the, So I imagine this, that little child that's playing that little angel, and we say, put your arms up and say greetings to Mary. And Mary was troubled and wondered, what's going on? And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You found favor with God, and you will conceive a son and give birth, and he will be great, and he will be called son of the Most High. And Mary asked, how can this be? And verse 35 says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Overshadow may seem like a strange word. The Greek word for the word overshadow is episkiazo. The word is used several times in scripture to indicate God's presence. For example, in Exodus 40, 35, when the Israelites complete construction of the tabernacle, the cloud of God's glory settles on it. And the Greek word, episkiazo, is used in that place. And in Luke, the same word is used in chapter 9, verse 34, when the cloud um, covers Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, right before God speaks to them out of the cloud. Episkiazo. So overshadow draws attention to the miracle of God's presence. And I've been praying, Lord, would you overshadow the earth? Episkiazo. 
Mary didn't ask for a sign, but Gabriel gives her one, telling her of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And I love this part, because it reminds me of how much we need community, and how we need to encourage one another and celebrate together, and how powerful just connecting with someone else can be. And then it also reminds me why we are missing that so dearly during this time. Verse 36 and 37 says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. That verse 37 is worded different in various translations. In the ESV, it's nothing will be impossible with God. In the LT, it's for the word of God will never fail. God's word will never fail. Even when it seems impossible, we remember that nothing is impossible with God. 41 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And right after that, we read in Luke Mary's song of praise with the first verse starting like this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. These two lines are parallel to each other. And parallelism is used in the Bible to emphasize a point. So Mary states her praise, and then she restates it, but with enough changes to clarify the first statement. So my soul parallels with my spirit. Lord parallels with God my Savior. And glorifies, and in other translations it uses, magnifies, parallels with rejoices. The Apostle Peter wrote, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy. That's deep stuff. This is so much more than happiness. We love to be happy. We love to feel good. But happiness comes and goes as circumstances around us change. And right now, with what's going on in our world, we know exactly what it feels like to have circumstances change. Many of you have lost loved ones or not been able to visit loved ones like you would like to. You've gone through times and things that were hard alone. And you wonder, what's next? Maybe you even wonder, even Christmas can seem overwhelming because we wonder, what will it look like? What will the announcement for our province be on December 17th? A friend posted a picture this week, sent it to me. It said this, the first Christmas was pretty simple. It's okay if yours is too. And when I looked at that picture in the manger there and Mary and Joseph, thinking the first Christmas was pretty simple, I think joy comes really from God with us. This inexpressible joy can be what carries us through. Joy is bigger than our circumstances. It can defy our circumstances, actually. I didn't say deny. We don't deny our circumstances, but it can defy them. And sometimes that might feel like Jesus coming alongside us and saying, this is hard, but I am here. 
It's not denying, but it's defying. And he is here. God is always at work, even in the tough stuff of life. There is a bigger story. Mary's joy seemed to come from seeing and being invited into what God was doing. She was invited into a bigger story where she had a role to play, and it wasn't easy. And although God cares about every detail of our circumstances, because he does, when our eyes are only on our circumstances, it can steal our joy. And this isn't meant to make light of what you're going through at all, because the pain is real. But I'm going to suggest something that can be really hard. It's what God has uh, impressed on me many times, and it's especially what he's impressed on me as I prepared for this message. And that's the truth that joy is a choice. Rejoice is a verb. And if we want to magnify the Lord or glorify God, it's not optional. Mary didn't ask to be the mother of God's son. If she had been asked, she might have said, please, no, not me. But what she did do was she embraced the role she had been given by God. And in a similar way, in your own situations, my situation, we can do the same. And you might say, tell me how. How do we, how do, we do that? Well, we see several common themes in people that choose joy, even in hard circumstances. And a lady named Dawn Kling wrote a blog that I've really appreciated, and it's five habits of people that are filled with the joy of the Lord. And here's her five things that she's noticed. First thing is joyful people trust God. Instead of looking to their own circumstances, joyful people lift their eyes knowing there's a bigger picture. Secondly, joyful people read and follow God's word, and they know that the Bible may not always be easy to understand or to follow, but they trust that it's divinely inspired and it's to be followed for our good and for God's glory. The third thing she noticed in joyful people is that they pray. They spend time in prayer, seeking God's presence, and not just with a bunch of words necessarily, but just really seeking God's presence. And they know that even when they don't feel it, it doesn't mean that he's not there. The fourth one, and this is all over every post, if you, glue, if you Google how to be joyful, it's practicing gratitude. Joyful people know that joy is rooted in being grateful. And the fifth thing that she noticed is that joyful people understand there's a difference between happiness and joy. So when you think of all of those points together, I would like to suggest that maybe we work from the bottom up. And we say, do I understand that there's a difference between happiness and joy? Number four, am I grateful? And that might be an intentional practice that you just have to do every day. What are three things I'm grateful for today? Maybe you even need to journal them. It's been helpful for me. And the third one, what am I actually wanting God's presence? Do I believe that it'll make a difference, God, with us? Second one, am I reading my Bible? Am I actually reading my Bible? And am I seeking after God's presence? If, if I'm not doing those things, it will erode our trust. It will erode our trust that God is in control and that he can be trusted. In the middle of this Advent, I'm praying that we can embrace what God is asking of us during this season. 
I often think about what's the story we're writing about these times? What's the story you are writing for the people that will come after you? These are history-making times. What's the story our church is writing? What will be told about Jesus' followers and Christmas 2020? Will it be one that remembers Luke 2, verses 9 and 10, that we said, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I pray that's the message that we're giving. I pray that's the message of hope, peace. That's the message of joy. And that's what we're declaring. That's what will be written about Jesus' followers and Christmas 2020. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you that you give a joy that is so much deeper than us just being happy, even though happiness is good and great and we love it. But even in the midst of all the things that are going around and all the things that are happening in our families and even in the midst of this pandemic, we can have a joy that come from you with us, God with us. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And Lord, when I think of that other line in the song, Joy to the World, let every heart prepare him room. Lord, will you show us this Advent season what we need to do to prepare you room, to focus on you so that we can experience the real joy that comes from your presence. I ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen.